Women Taking the Lead, Episode 153. I'm a true firm believer that we each have a unique value to the world. It doesn't matter if you are a violin player or an artist or a doctor or a lawyer. It does not matter. But when people's gifts are squelched, there is, there is no greater pain for me than to see people not pursue their dreams because of an experience or because they haven't worked through something or because they, they have a boundary that they cannot push past because I think we just have so much to be that we're capable of and of giving in the world and and so those are the those are the business owners that I love to work with those are the people that I love to work with Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Abby McGilvery, who is a social media magician. Okay, she's a social media strategist, but that's close enough. She serves as an advisor, guide, and mentor for the business owners she works with. She has been called a marketing maven and a networking expert, but prefers to think of herself as a creative social media scrapbooker with a focus on helping business owners build brand visibility and tell their stories on social media channels. Abby helps business owners, creatives, and leaders get clear on what they do, who they are, and how to share their gifts with the world. Abby, that's only a little intro for everyone. So tell us more about you and your own humble beginnings. Yeah, absolutely. First off, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yay. Um, So my humble beginnings, I grew up in Yarmouth, Maine, very small population, very small town, the kind of town where, um, you know, you know, all the police officers and they know your parents and, and, um, it was a wonderful childhood. I actually can't complain much at all. I have amazing parents, um, who have always been married and always been there for me. And, supported me in whatever I was doing. So I was born in 1981. So I am, I, I'm, I went through the stage of being a teen in the early nineties, which was exciting and hypercolor, shall we say. Um, I did, um, a lot of active things when I was young. I tried sports, but it wasn't really my thing. Um, I'm not real competitive. And I also really like um, individual sports rather than kind of team sports. Um, so I, I tried that. It wasn't really my thing. So I actually ended up doing more theater, dance. Um, as a kid, you could catch me doing routines to Paula Abdul day in and day out in my bedroom. Um, that was kind of my, my go-to thing. I love to move my body. I love to do gymnastics. Um, I was all, my, my mom actually said that I came out of the womb doing somersaults. That's one thing she mm-hmm. likes to say to people. Um, so I've always been kind of comfortable being big um, and, and being, you know, and moving and being in front of other people. Um, my parents were both very creative people. My dad's an engineer and my mom, um, was a teacher and then, a, an administrative assistant at a, at a school in Yarmouth. And they're both very creative, artistic people. I remember doing a lot of, um, crafty things and building things. And my mom teaching me how to sew and cutting things out and going to recyclable, you know, stores and creating a lot as a kid, um, I had an older sister who is about three and a half years older than me. She, we often like to say she's like, she's the goal oriented, driven. Um, She became an attorney, went to Bowdoin College. You know, she always had it together. And I was kind of the mess, the creative, you know, journey maker, just trying to figure it out year after year what I was um, jazzed by. So, um, yeah. So in, in the beginning, I didn't really fit in anywhere. I was kind of the weird kid. I was really strange. I was out there. A lot of people said that I was 
just too much. <laughs> um, I was really bold. I said what was on my mind. I would sing and I would dance. And I also was really scared on the inside because I was a really self-conscious child. I was really hyper aware. I think starting at the age of 11, when I looked at a Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition at a friend's house, I was really aware of my body and of the way that I looked and the way that people saw me. Um, and so while I was really big and bold in the world, I was also doing that a lot of times to overcompensate for a lot of fear and a lot of, you know, wondering what people were thinking about me. So yeah, so once I figured out that there were other people watching, as a kid, I started to shrink up a little bit and get smaller and I tried to blend in and um, I did that for a few years, but thank goodness I'm over that now. <laughs> <laughs> no more blending in. No more blending in. Um, so, so yeah, so childhood life, you know, was really good. I was outdoors a lot. I was in nature a lot. Um, we did a lot of hiking. Um, we did a lot of creative projects. And um, all around, I, you know, I struggled with a lot of stuff internally and, and never really had a good, solid group of girlfriends. I mean, I had... I had a group of girlfriends that I was really close with, but I didn't really share a lot about who I really was and what I really thought about. And because I was really scared to share those things with people because I thought they would judge me and they wouldn't like me. And so, um, so yeah, so it was a good, it was a really good childhood. <laughs> it was good. And it was really, really hard. It was really hard internally, emotionally, um, you know, we weren't a family that had a lot of friends. We didn't go a lot of, you know, places and do dinner parties and do vacations. We weren't really social people. So I felt very, very alone a lot of my childhood. Um, I think I probably spent most of my time in my bedroom writing down song lyrics and painting and um, and doing things like that rather than hanging out with friends. So I was kind of an isolated child and, um, by choice, I think I was really scared of, of people and didn't really get a lot of opportunity to get over that fear as a kid. So, so yeah. You know, and Abby, I have to say that I don't think if there's any mistake that you started off being very out there and sharing yourself with the world and then suddenly became self-conscious and retracted back into yourself only to then work through whatever was going on with you that, you know, even in the face of the fear of being self-conscious and wondering what people were thinking, you started putting yourself back out there again, because that's what you do for your clients. I know a lot of people, a lot of small business owners, especially women, when they're first starting their business, they struggle so much with the fact that they have to put themselves out there and they have to share, you know, more of themselves than they naturally would. Yes. Um, if they weren't a business owner and that you help them through that process so that it's authentic to them. It's enjoyable for them. And even if they're scared that they, they can do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all learn through our experiences, what we're comfortable with. And the, the thing about social media is that the first word in social media is social. And we all have different levels of comfort with social situations and with putting ourselves out there and with being vulnerable about things and telling stories about ourselves or about our businesses. So I sometimes, I feel like I often need a little line on my business card that says social media therapist or social media counselor <laughs> because it really does come down to people call me with, I need help with my Facebook page. And then what we end up talking about is their, their connection to their business, their fears around it, the struggles around it, the boundaries they're feeling, the, 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 the lack of support they have, the lack of, you know, encouragement that they have in their lives. And so a lot of what social media comes down to is getting super comfortable with who you are and what you have 
to tell the world. And most people, when they start talking about that, haven't even thought about that. Most Mm -hmm. people don't think about telling their own story on a daily basis. And every single day I have to tell the stories of the monthly clients that I work with in a different way. Um, And so when people start looking at it as an opportunity to share a story, um, they also realize that they don't have to share every single detail. It doesn't have to be super personal. Um, I often talk with people about the element of mystery and ambiguity and that that is so delicious to people because they don't want to know every single thing. They, they don't want to know the entire story. <laughs> you don't have to spill all your guts. Um, they just want to know that you had a moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? I've heard, yeah. yeah, I've heard someone say before that you should share enough to create a connection and make a difference and then stop. <laughs> that is such a good rule. That is such a good rule rule. That's a great rule. I mean, I have a three line rule on Facebook that your, your, your post should really be about three lines long, any longer than that. And, and you're just want, want, want. So keeping it short and really thinking about what is the lesson here, that's really hard for people. A lot of Mm -hmm. times, not everybody thinks with that Don Draper marketing brain, like I somehow have developed. Um, (laughs) So we have to be taught how to do that. And we have to be taught that it's okay. It's it's okay. Some people are not going to like what you have to say. They are not going to like it. And they may like it or dislike it so much that they say something about it. But you can handle it. You know who you are. If you put it up there and it meant enough to you, not that you have to defend yourself in any way, but you can stand behind it. You know, and that's my rule with posting is if you can stand behind that, no matter what somebody else is going to say about it, then post it. For mm-hmm. um, but yeah, a lot of people get stuck in the what are people going to say? What's the reaction? What's the response going to be here? And I find that women in particular are ready to talk about that fear and they're ready to get over it and start being more brave about putting this stuff out. And it just takes practice and and persistence and pushing yourself to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great segue, Abby, because the next thing I want to chat with you about, because as soon as we started talking about social media and telling your story, you, I mean, you were right there. You were on fire in your power, you know, ready to go. You have your mission and you're out in the world doing it. But what I, where I want to go now, before we get into all the good stuff later is a time in your life when you were playing small, Mm -hmm. right? Where you didn't realize how powerful you were and you undervalued yourself. And you may not have been aware of it at the, at the time. A lot of times it's only in retrospect that we realize like, oh my gosh, I totally underplayed myself in that moment and I could have done more. Share with us the story and the lessons you've learned. Oh, it was hard to narrow it down to one, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> because I've had many of these lessons in my life. Um, I think... I, I've always been very hyper aware of being female and being blonde and being um, somewhat, you know, privileged in the world and the expectations and the values that go along with all of that. Um, And so when I was thinking about these playing small moments, I actually realized that there were a lot of them. There were a lot of moments where, I was terrified to show my light because someone else might dim it. Um, And I dimmed myself for many, many, many years because a lot of people didn't understand and and weren't ready for that energy. So when I was thinking about that, um, there was there was one particular moment that came up for me and it was around a job interview that I had. So I recently had left a position and I was um, very shocked about being um, fired essentially from this job. Um, I thought I was doing a great job at at this current position, but um, 
it turned out that the higher ups didn't think so. So um, once that was communicated to me, I figured, okay, well, what, what, what's a girl going to do? I have to go get another job. What am I going to do? So I had a couple, a couple weeks before been, you know, doing um, some training sessions at a technology training center. And I had met some people over there. And um, I, I, so immediately I, I went into panic mode. I was told that I needed to leave the organization. And I, you know, I called my mom and I called my dad and they did the mom and dad thing and said, you have to have health insurance. You have to have an income. You know, what, what are you going to do? Um, and so I said, I've got to get a job and I've got this low hanging fruit. I know these people and um, let me go do that. So I was in a moment of panic and I called them and I said, I, I don't know what you have for me to do, but I, I will do anything. I will, I will do whatever you have. I just, I need a job. So I went into my interview um, with these two people that I had met one time before and didn't really have such a good feeling about them. But, you know, I was like, oh, gut, you know, just go away. Just, you're, you're, don't, you need a job. Push through, persevere, right? So I, I sat down in this interview and um, one of the first things that one of the uh, interviewers said to me was, um, hey, is that a tattoo on your arm? And I said, yeah, you know, I, um, I recently got this tattoo. It was just a small tattoo on my wrist that says create um, because I had decided that um, I needed to do some more creative things in my life and make some things happen. And so um, I got that tattoo and I said, yeah, it is. And I showed it to him and he said, um, you're not planning on getting any more tattoos anytime soon, are you? And I said, no, no, I'm not going to get, no, no, I'm not going to do that. And my ears got hot and I started to shake a little bit and uh, we went through the interview and they asked me lots of questions and it made me, you know, prove my value and talk about what I was going to bring to the, to the business. And um, they basically said, okay, well, we'll bring you on in a, you know, in a sales capacity. And I said, great, when do I start? Um, but what I forgot is that I needed to interview them <laughs> <laughs> was that I had a value beyond just filling a space and filling a chair. But I was in a moment of doubt and desperation and in a moment of not understanding my true worth and what my what, what my path was. I knew I was on a long and winding road um, and I knew I needed to fork off in some direction and I was just so hopeful that maybe this would be, you know, the way. And um, needless to say, it was the most terrible experience. Um, I worked under a leader um who taught me a lot of lessons about how never to speak to people, how never to behave, how to be um, kind, um, how to be patient with people. She taught me a lot of lessons in a really, really painful, difficult way. Um, and I had this other very interesting moment that stands out from, from that time in my life when, um, the, you know, so the two bosses turns out they were, they were married, um, which I didn't know when, when I, when I got into working for the business, um, and, and they had a lot of marital issues, but anyway, the husband at one point, um, came in and, and he said, uh, Oh, we're, you know, we just heard that someone in our, um, one, in one of our classes got a new job and it's related to, you know, something that we trained them in. And I said, oh my gosh, it's so exciting. And I clapped and I, you know, I just did my Abby, I'm excited thing, which is totally normal for me. And he looked at me in front of a team of eight people and he said, Abby, why are you so damn excited all the time? Can you just tone it down? And, oh, pardon me, it brings me to tears. 
just to think that I stayed there another, you know, three weeks and stuck it out with a leader who did nothing but want to dim my light. Um, that was a hard moment for me because I really went home and I really went, oh my gosh, what is, maybe there is something wrong with me. Maybe this, maybe this is the problem. Maybe this is why I'm not successful. Maybe I'm too excited about things. Maybe people are not ready for that. And for three more weeks, I tried to dim my light and I tried to, um, please and appease and be perfect and and fit the mold of what he wanted me to be and uh then I woke up after a few nights of not being able to sleep and I just said to myself I can't do this I just can't be somebody that I'm not and I cannot be in a place where I am not wanted for everything that I have to offer and my energy is me it is me it is who I am and I don't want to be in a place where that's not welcome. So I got the heck out of there. I got the heck out of Dodge. <laughs> oh, my God. There. Oh, my God, Abby. So soul-sucking oh. to be in a place where you're not appreciated for who you are and what you bring to the table. And worse than that, they overtly asked you to stop being yeah. who you are. And I know you're not alone in that. No. I've had experiences no. like that too, where people were like, could you not do that? And it's something I was doing that was at the core of who I was. Yes. It was me expressing myself. And for those of you listening, yes. you're probably relating to this. Your heart's probably thumping. You're probably getting pissed off all <laughs> over again, yeah. as Abby and I are, you know, yeah. just, and what I heard from what you said, the lesson you learn is to like, get the hell away from people who are going to treat you like that. Don't be in situations like that. It's soul sucking. It is horrible. It is, hor it is horrible when you wake up in the morning and you cannot imagine walking over the threshold of that place one more time and putting up with what you have to put up with one more time. It's just life is too short. It is too short. And that's when I knew it was not the right, you know, and what am I going to do? Sit around and do it? No. I, I, my soul and my spirit is way, even back then when I didn't particularly know my value and understand my power and all of that jazz, I knew in my gut and in my soul that that was not who I wanted to turn into. And that was not who I wanted to be. And I know that the five people you surround yourself with, you become. And I was spending eight hours a day there, and I did not want to become that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you started to. You started to consciously. Oh, I did. It was awful. I am, you know, <laughs> I, you know, there is nothing that I hate more than gossipy, gossipy and talking about other people. And the leader that I was working under was so that way that I found myself doing that. And I went home one day and I went, yuck, I just feel gross. I don't want to talk about other people negatively. Like that is not who I am. That is not what I do. I don't want to be around that. So I had a choice and whew, I'm so grateful that I believed them when they showed me who they were. Yeah. Oh, you know, huge. huge. Believe people when they show you. And sometimes they have to show you three, four, five times before you go, oh, okay. I, wow. Okay. The tattoo comment, that was number one. You know, the, the, um, the trying to set me up on dates with your, that was number two. And wow. You know, and when you look back and you see the things that essentially were just smacking you in the face with the universe going, no, 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 don't, do, no, no, you're worth so much more than that. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was, the, whew, those were some good moments in that job. Whew. Now, Abby, take us to another place. What I'm interested in now is uh, your wake-up call, mm -hmm. right? It could have been a bolt of lightning or a slow awakening, but at some point there was a moment where you were ready to take action on it. So share with us that story and the steps you took that led to your success. That is, that's a big one. That's a big one. And so this is the really, so this is the really big, scary one because whenever we learn the biggest lesson that we learn, I feel, 
we have to go through an incredible amount of shame and pain and we have to do whatever we can to to cope with that shame and that pain and for me this story never really got told because um because of the position that I'm in in the greater portland area where it's the biggest little city i think in the world um, <laughs> yeah er- Every it's two degrees of separation. We all joke about that in the oh, yeah. Portland, greater Portland area that you are two degrees of separation from everybody else. Yeah, I mean it, it's <laughs> it's rare that I know someone that I don't have thirteen Facebook friends in common with. So, um, so I ha- you know I and I I've all also always respected that people have to do what they have to do with what they have in any given moment, and we all do the best we can with what we have. Um, so I, you know, it's important before I tell this story to say that I've been working on this story for a long time and on thinking about what I remember and and what I remember to be true and talking with one very close friend in particular who, who I can really, you know, talk about the hard stuff with. So So I'm having be brave moments today where I have to listen to my own advice and really just put it all out there. So what this story really comes down to is a man who invited me into his office and he said, have a seat. And I sat in his sturdy fabric chair and I looked at him across his huge oak desk, very organized, very organized desk, everything, you know, in its piles and its places. And um, he sat there with his suit coat and his sweater vest on, his hair nicely quaffed. And he, he's, he's, he, um, he picked up a magazine that he had on his table and he tossed it across the table to me and it landed in my lap. And I looked down at it and I saw that it was a, a publication that we'd been working on for, for the business, for the organization. And he said, uh, look in there, look, look on look on page 14. And I slowly opened up the magazine and I leafed through the pages and there was page 14 and there was a photo that, um, that I had um, selected from our kind of archives. I was responsible for all of the website design in the organization. Um, we had, had rebuilt our website. We had, had built up the entire social media um, strategy. We had grown groups and groups of people coming together. We had changed events. I was running a video newsletter. Um, and one of the kind of side things that I was asked to do was just to pick some photos for a publication we were putting out. So I had provided those photos to the person who was organizing the uh, the booklet, the magazine. And so he looked at me and he said, see the third photo down? And I said, yeah. And he said, can you go show me the email where you have written permission to use that photo? And I said, uh, well, I know, I said, I, I, I know the photographer. Do you want me to call? He said, no, no, I want you to go walk to your office, pull up your email and show me the email where you have um, a release to use that photo in print. And I said, I have one for the website. I said, when we did the website, I had him do a release form for the website. I said, let me go just look at it. Let me read it. So I went to my desk and did that. And I came back and I said, well, it turns out that it's just, it, this just covers the website. And uh, he said, what do you expect me to do? And I said, uh, I said, I don't know. This was a, this was a team effort. We all did this. I wasn't the only one that put in photos. I was just doing what I was asked to do. I didn't, we didn't talk about photo releases for print. I, I, I don't know. And he said, I can't walk in and explain this to the board and let you stay here. So I think it's best that you find a new job. Um, and I sat there stunned. And I put the magazine down. And 
I cried. And I had never cried in front of him before. I'd always held it in. I had never really let him see. And I sat there and I cried for a good three or five minutes (laughs) in absolute silence. And he said nothing. And I got up and left. And I went to my office and I packed up my things. And I came back the next day and my computer was locked. And my key had been deactivated. And I was forwarded an email that um, he put out to the world that essentially said, um, Abby's found a new opportunity. We're thrilled that she'll be moving on. I'm sure she'll share more information with you as soon as she has it available. And that was the end of it. Um, So for me, my conditioning and what I had always done in the past was that I would have gone into panic mode and I would have raced to find a job and I would have raced to find someone else to prove my value to. I would have raced to fit my super weird blobby (laughs) self into a circle or a square where I did not fit again. Um, Now, there's a long story behind this. There was um, a lot of stuff going on in the organization where um, my power was being questioned. My creativity was being questioned. I was essentially being bullied by another one person in the organization. And, you know, there's a long story behind that and how this is all related and, and, and all of that. But the truth of the matter was that This taught me (laughs) such an incredible lesson because I would never, as a leader, put a boundary between myself and someone who is on my team. I would never, as a leader, blame one person for the fault of many And I would never shut down on someone when they're emotionally in a place of needing me to show up. So I'm at a point now where I've dealt with this story for such a long time that I'm able to look back and be so grateful to this man for teaching me this painful, awful, just devastating lesson. Because what resulted in that was that I received hundreds, hundreds of emails from members of the organization. We had built up the organization to almost 3,000 members. And I got hundreds of emails from people saying, we are so excited for you. We can't wait to see what's next. We knew there was more for you. You are amazing. You helped me so much. I can't believe you're leaving. How dare they let you go? They should have fought for you. You are worthy. You are valuable. And I had no idea that those people valued me so much. Um, and I really, I printed every single one of those emails out. I printed every single one. And I read through them and I literally highlighted the things that people said were valuable about me. And I decided that it was time for me to start doing what my heart wants to do, what my real help to the world can be. And what I thought about when I, when I look back on my time at that organization and how tough it was the one thing that people consistently came to me for was just hear me, just hear the problem that I'm going through right now, whether it's related to technology or marketing or social media or business growth, or I need a support system or I need a website or I can't figure out this e-commerce button. People just wanted to know that there was someone there that could help them get through it. I couldn't solve all their problems. Most of the time I sent them away to get help from someone else. But I was I was there to say, 
it's going to be okay. And there are so many other business owners who have that same question. The same question. So I figured, you know, I do a pretty good job of helping people feel not useless, helping people feel smarter about the things that they really want to know about. And I really had to decide to start building my own dream. That I wasn't going to build the other dreams of all these other people who are running these businesses that they started because they wanted to give to the world. What the heck do I want to give to the world and how can I help? And thank goodness, I happen to be really good at social media, which is what I love to do, which is writing, graphics, videos, images, telling stories. To me, it's the most exciting, fun, cool thing in the world. And it just happens to be what people also come to me for. And in Maine, where there are not a lot of people, in my opinion, who are really invested in doing it from a wholehearted, whole marketing, heart-centered, storytelling approach, you know, it just kind of blossomed. I just basically made up a package. I was like, this is what I think I can do for people. And I put it into the world and they said, yes, but we also want this. And I listened and I adapted and I recreated. And as long as I stayed true to my gut and stayed true to the people who were telling me what was really the most valuable to them, I haven't lost my course. It's it's been two and a half years and I've I've been successful and you know, it was three days after I got locked out of that organization that I called my dad. Um I've been crying for probably two days and I had a revelation and I, I woke up and I just I called my dad and I said, Dad, I am not like everybody else. I cannot do this corporate nonprofit teaching. That was all my background. It was all corporate nonprofit teaching, you know, be on a board, show up to the executive director, put your big girl pants on. I said, I can't do this anymore. It's not my value. I'm going to start a social media business. And he went, what in the hell are you talking about? Are you crazy? (laughs) Um, And so at that point, I really started talking with him about the possibilities of these things. And there was there was no one out there doing it. And I just, I knew that I had to do what I loved. And I knew that I had to help people with this huge, scary, terrifying, on a daily, momentary, hourly basis stuff. Oh, yeah. Abby, I, I just got to jump in because I'm like, there's so many great things about the story you just shared. And one, I just want to acknowledge you for telling it. Um, it's a big deal. Thank you. you know? Oh, God. <laughs> I feel great. I feel great. <laughs> Yes. And it's incredibly freeing, you know, you know, shame only thrives in isolation and when it's hidden and kept in a dark box. Um, but when it's exposed to the light, it goes away, you know? Yeah. I, I literally feel like I have a new feather in my wings. (laughs) You definitely do. And you know, one, I, you know, because you know, what people don't know is you and I only recently met, even though we've been aware of each other mm-hmm, for, ye- mm-hmm, for years, yes. right? <laughs> and I remember you when you started working for this organization. And my thought when you came on the scene was, wow, what a great hiring decision it was for this organization, this old stodgy organization to hire this young, fresh faced woman who was going to be the energy in the face of the organization. And it, and I didn't know what had gone on. It was only like after the fact that somebody said like, Oh, she's not there anymore. And I was like, what? Yeah. And I was like, how, how did they lose her? But good for her. Same thing. Good for her. She's meant for better things, you know, um, knew you were going places, but what's so great. And what you shared is in this horrible experience, you're exactly right. It shapes who we want to be. And it's actually something I'm covering um, 
in a future podcast and in the ebook I'm writing that it's usually our worst experiences that shape who we want to be going forward and how we want people to feel. Yes. When they're around us. Yes. Yes. Because that was really what it was. It was, I never want someone to feel small. I never want to be responsible for not communicating someone's value or I it just I'm a true firm believer that we each have a unique value to the world it doesn't matter if you are a violin player or an artist or a doctor or a lawyer it does not matter but when people's gifts are squelched there is there is no greater pain for me than to see people not pursue their dreams because of an experience or because they haven't worked through something or because they they have a boundary that they cannot push past because i think we just have so much to be that we're capable of and of giving in the world and and so those are the those are the business owners that i love to work with those are the people that i love to work with um and i also I mean, there is so, there's so much that I learned about what a leader is and a leader isn't. And, and one thing that was really apparent with me working in an organization like that is that leaders need to be people, people. They have to be people, people. They have to show up. They have to be present. They have to take off the mask. They have to be ready to talk about emotion. They have to be ready to talk about real things. They have to be ready if they have a team, particularly a team of women around them, to facilitate conversations. And that, looking back, was desperately missing, desperately missing. This same person at, at one point called me to um, coffee and um, it was my, I think, third day on the job and someone had directly asked me a question in a board meeting and I had answered it and they continued to ask me questions and so I kept answering them and then, you know, he slowly moved us on and he called me to coffee and he said, um, you know, the boardroom really isn't a place to bring your heart. It's really a place to listen and I said, okay, all right, okay. I was mortified. I was horrified. Um, so other people are going to want you to play small. It's much, 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 much safer for them if you stay small. And that's where I think the the real struggle came in with me working for that organization was some people just are not ready for the energy and the creativity. Some people are not, with energy, with innovation, with creativity comes a lot of risk and a lot of failure and a lot of humiliation and a lot of doubt and a lot of ambiguity. And there are a lot of people in the world who are leaders who are really scared of that. And, and it doesn't do the organization any good to be afraid of those things. Um, I too, you know, like you just reflected, Jody. all along, that's all I heard was you, you have brought light to this organization, you've brought young people into this organization, you know, you've given it a new look, you've given it a new vibe, it's a new charm, and then in the end, to have that moment where that didn't matter, who I was, was not good enough, mm-hmm. Um. I never, ever want people to have that moment. And that's a great segue, Abby, because, you you know, you were just talking a lot about leadership and who a leadership has mm-hmm. to be. How would you describe your leadership style? Yeah. Oh, this is so interesting because I've never, ever really thought of myself as a leader. So when I, it's so funny because when I think about a leader, I think about a person who is officially in a position of power, right? And I feel like I, 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 in my brain, I go, well, I've never been a CEO. And I'm like, oh, wait, yes, I actually am. And I have been for the past two and a half years. I'm the CEO of my own business. I've, I've never managed a big, large group of people before. Wait, yes, I actually <laughs> have done that. And, 
you know, I'm not influential and like, I don't, oh wait, but I actually hear that people do listen to what I have to say. So, so I'm just starting to actually wrap my head around me as a leader. Um, but to me, there are a couple of things that are really important and really it comes down to, I think three. Number one, as a leader, we have to understand that we cannot be the smartest, the biggest, the brightest, the best. It is not, as a leader, it is not my role to be perfect, to do everything right, to um, to demonstrate how what it looks like, perf- what perfection looks like. That, that's not my role. My role is to surround myself with people who are smarter than me who make me look at things in a different way and who challenge me as a leader and who are willing to have real live conversations that make us all better as human beings. Um, I've worked with a lot of leaders who were hierarchical and thought, well, they're below you. And so you don't get to do that or you don't get to say that. And you don't get, and to me, a leader sits in a circle with it, with her team and she doesn't sit with a giant oak desk between her and her employee or her teammate. It is us all sitting around figuring this thing out together. And so for me, that's really, really, really important. Um, the other thing that my parents instilled in me really early on that I think is so super important is that you have to be it. You have to show people what you preach. You have to do what you are, what the core values are to you. You have to behave that way every day. If you want the people who follow you and the people who are your employees, if you want them to be honest and open with you, you have to do that with them. If you want them to show up and be excited about their job every day, you have to give them your excitement about your job and what you do. If you want your organization to be innovative and creative, you have to be willing to take risks. You have to show those people that you trust them. And so I really think that what it comes down to is a lot of leaders do a lot of telling and not a lot of showing. And showing people what it looks like to be in an organization or to be in a business and to be the culture of the organization is super important. Super important. And be being, being authentic, you know, showing them the messy stuff, saying to them, you know, I've never had a boss where, where I, you know, I work with people now. I have, um, you know, a couple of people that work with me and it's okay if they come and they go, I am really not feeling this today. Like I need to go for a walk and clear my head because I don't want anyone to force themselves to show up. You know, I want to give people the tools that they can to to show up. So you have to let, I think as a leader, we have to model that sometimes it's messy and sometimes it's hard and sometimes it is difficult and sometimes I'm going to cry. And as a leader, when I get frustrated, I'm going to cry and I might need my employee or my partner or whoever to be there and just be with me. And like, that's normal human existence. That's just how it is. Like be, be authentic. And you, you segued right into the next question I'm going to ask you, which is what is your biggest leadership or business challenge that you're faced with right now? That's a good one. Well, the biggest challenge I've been facing is thinking about scaling up. So scaling up is super scary for any entrepreneur, I think. But when you have a service-based business that is really based upon you (laughs) taking care of the people that you work with, it becomes very difficult to think about scaling up because what that means is I have to bring other people in who exactly reflect those values and those things that I think are important and those things that 
my, the business owners I work with and my monthly clients come back to me and say, that's why we love you, Abby. That's why we work with you. I have to find people now who do that same thing. And it's kind of an interesting challenge because I have so many people kind of in my Google Docs spreadsheet that might just be perfect for working with me, learning how to do this. I'm ready. I'm ready to teach other people how to do what I do. I'm ready to scale up. I'm ready to start doing, you know, bigger things. Um, but it's terrifying. So that, that to me is, is huge. And, and I love to get things done quick. I love things that last, you know, three days. Um, but this is going to be a really big transition process for me. I'm going to have to call in a lot of help. I'm going to have to be super vulnerable about sharing my finances and my budgets and my tools that I've been keeping kind of under wraps and quiet. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the biggest obstacle right now. And what it really comes down to is me having to share this little baby that I've been growing inside of me with some other people and hope that they can nurture it the same way that, that I nurture it. So that's great. Great analogy. (laughs) So great. So let's take it on the flip side. What's one thing you're working on that you're really excited about? Yeah. Ooh, that's fun. Um, so one thing that I really want to get going, um, is that what I've figured out is that nine times out of 10, when I talk to people, they have something hidden inside of them that is tugging at them that they deep down in their soul know they just have to do and they can't get around to doing it. So sometimes this has to do with social media, but usually it doesn't. Usually that's an end product. Usually social media is the distribution channel of the dream. Once you have it, you get to share it with everyone, right? But helping people really figure out who they were, what was the dream that they once had, and why aren't they doing it now? And just to get them to consider maybe focusing some more energy in that direction and seeing the way that their world goes. So I've been collecting people for years. I think people are so interesting. And I I, I have a list of a number of people that I would love to just interview. And I don't know what kind of form it's going to take, whether it be a podcast. Um, I, I work with the board of the Community Television Network and you know, we could do some kind of a TV show. I don't know what it's going to turn into yet, but I really want to help people to start to talk about who they were as their six-year-old selves and what were those big things that drove them and the things that made them happy and the things that they once wanted and are they doing it? And if not, why? What's really holding them back? Because I think talking about those things um, doesn't happen enough. We don't talk enough about the scary and the shameful and the dark. And I want to be some kind of catalyst to lead people to do that more often. I do it in private sessions with people all the time. And I do it with phone calls with people all the time. Um but I want to start sharing those stories on, on a bigger scale so that people, particularly people in Maine who are still really terrified to talk about the scary stuff and the failures, um, that they get more comfortable sharing those stories because it's going to lead to bigger, deeper connections. It's going to lead to more bravery. It's going to lead to more people being willing to risk it because they know that other people have survived. Yeah. I was just thinking that it's going to lead to courage when we realize other people have failed and they're still standing and they're still growing, you know, and moved on. Then we know that we can do it ourselves too. Yeah. 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 Love that. And Abby, you have a lot going on. I'm sure the people listening are like, okay, she started her business. She's got all these projects. She has monthly clients. Whoa. (laughs) Tell us about your support system. Who do you have around you that helps you to do what you're doing? Yeah, that is huge. Oh my gosh. So I have a new word and actually it took me about a year and a half into my business. So about a year ago, I, I came across the word tribe and 
for me, um, I've always looked at um, myself as a survivor. I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody. I am Wonder Woman. What are you talking about? I don't need anybody. But in the past, okay, you know, since I hit 30, so in the past four or five years, I have figured out that we were never meant to do this alone. We were meant from day one to be surviving in tribes. We were meant to be working together, sharing talents. We were meant to turn off sometimes and to need time to heal. And we can't just do that without other people supporting us. So I've been thinking about tribe a lot lately and about the real people, the real sisters, the real brothers who show up for me. Um, And first and foremost, it's my mom and my dad. I mean, no matter what, they have always been able to see me um, and validate who I am um, and remind me that you know, all the money in the world, none of that, none of that matters. Kindness matters and love matters. Um, leaving your little mark on this earth, you know, whether it be in your garden or whatever, that's, that's what matters. Nobody's going to remember any of that other stuff. Um, they've always been a great support system for me. Um, but it's always been hard for me to open up about my feelings. I also grew up, um, you know, really hiding crying and trying not to, like, you know, when that, when that cry is coming, I got so good at choking that down. Like I just did, um, that, um, really starting to find people who are comfortable with me being vulnerable and being sad and being joyful and all those things are really important. So my, um, best friend, my business partner, Angie, um, is the most, amazing support system I've ever had. She hears me. She shows up. She doesn't tell me what to do. She doesn't give me advice. She doesn't try to fix it. She just is there and lets me be. And I never realized what an incredible um, power that is to just sit and be with someone. Um, So Angie is a huge support system for me as well. Um, And it may sound funny, but I have, you know, I have tons of Facebook friends and I have tons of followers on Instagram and Twitter and all of that. But when it comes down to it, that's my support system. Those are the three people who I can call in any situation and just let it all out. They're, they're really the ones. And I have a handful of really close friends that for any given moment, I can call them and say, let's go for a hike. Let's go to the beach. I need to scream. I need to paint. Like, let's go do something. Um, so, but that's only in the recent, you know, year. I've really depended a lot on um, writing as a support system for me, creative work, um, painting, drawing, collaging, my scrapbooks, um, Those things have always been who I've talked to. They are the ones that um, I could safely tell my feelings and thoughts to without any judgment. So I still do a lot of that. My support system is, is still, you know, I'm still learning how to let them in and share those vulnerable, scary things. Um, But yeah, that's, that's really my support system. And then whenever I need, you know, that energy, that strength that I just cannot have if I put up a Facebook post that just says, Lord, help me, somebody, somebody send me something, my support system shows themselves. They really do. And and um, I have a number of, of close friends who, you know, I've recently, as you know, gone through something really hard in my personal life. And I didn't realize how um, engaged people were in, in my story and supporting me and people who have my back. So it's been, it's been really incredible. I have a great support system. It's a multifaceted support system. Yeah. I really like, yeah. I, I mean, what's really funny is through every answer you've given, you've 
you've conveyed your values of that holistic, soulful approach. You yeah. have a holistic, soulful approach to everything that you do. Yeah, you have to. And it shows up. Yeah, I love it. All right, Abby, now we're going into the quick leadership roundup. So these are some rapid fire questions with some rapid fire answers. Um, so tell us, what is one practice that you have that helps to make you a better leader? Listening to other leaders, showing up and listening to other people leading groups of people. That is huge. Whether it's YouTube, whether it's an event that I can go to, learning from other people who I want to be like, that is my biggest tip. And what is one book you'd recommend to another woman to help her develop her leadership? Oh, that's a good one. Um, Okay. So for that one, I have to go with Rising Strong by Brene Brown. So Brene is absolutely one of the most influential people in my life in terms of who I listen to and who I turn to for for strength. Um, she is not perfect. She is real. Um, she, in the book Rising Strong, really talks about what it takes to be resilient and to get back up because we are going to fall and it is going to hurt and we are going to make mistakes and we're going to hurt other people and we have to wake up every day and and make a choice about how we're going to live our life and after reading rising strong i really understood what courage meant and what it means to show up, what it means to get up, what it means to keep going despite it all, because there is a greater lesson in it all. There's a greater purpose in it all. And every book Brene has written from, you know, The Gifts of Imperfection to, um, she's just wonderful. She's just, she's just absolutely wonderful. And rising strong really talks about what we don't talk about a lot, which is failing and how awful it is and how we can get back up. And what are the characteristics of the people who get back up and keep on going? Cause I want to be brave with my life. That is one thing that I know is I want to be brave with my life. And if I want to do that, I have to keep going. That's it. I just got to keep going. Mm, amen. amen. And Abby, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, girl, what would I tell her? I would say put on your sparkles and keep dancing. I would say be big, be bold. Don't let anyone dim your light, girl. Don't even think about ever letting anyone dim your light for a second. That's what I would tell her. And that's some advice we can all use and continue to hear yes. over and over yes. and over again. Yes. Love that. <laughs> all right, Abby, share with us a quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Oh, man. Well, you should know first I have a collection, but in thinking about this, um, I came down to two. I narrowed it down to two from about 846. So there's two that I want to leave. That's a good effort. Yeah, I'll let it, you it is. It is. It's good. So one um, is for everyone. And then one is for women in particular that I think is really powerful. So one of my favorite phrases is from Gandhi. And he says, in a gentle way, you can shake the world. And I truly, truly, truly believe that everyone in their own gentle way can make an impact on the world. So that's no matter who I look at, no matter who I see on the street, no matter who I see, you know, in a restaurant, no matter who I see what they're going through, I always try to think about that they are just doing the best they can to shake the world. The other quote that I love, this one's particularly for women who might be a little scared of uh, what it means to have their own power. A woman who does not require validation from anyone is the most feared individual 
on the planet. That is Mohadesa Najumi. And I really, I love that quote because if we do not require validation from anyone, that's going to freak a lot of people out. It's going to scare a lot of people. But it's only when we seek to validate ourselves when we step into our own power and when we do these beautiful, wonderful things that we were put here to do. And it also reminds me that there are going to be people in my life who are very fearful and who are going to be naysayers. I always love the phrase, haters going to hate. And I expect them to be there. I expect people to be fearful of how big I want to be in the world. I expect people to be fearful of those big, scary, dark things that I want to talk about. And I'm never surprised when they are. And I greet them with with empathy and with a listening ear as, as often as I can because it's not easy to be powerful. And it's not easy to believe so wholeheartedly that you are worthy. It's not as easy as it seems. So it's just a great reminder that no matter how scared you are, it's really just about your own validation and you doing what you know is true for you, authentic for you, what feels good, all of that. Yeah. Mm. And Abby, we've gone a little long, but every minute was worth it. And I know there are women listening who are going to want to check you out, see you on social media and connect with you personally. So tell us the best way for this community to connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to connect with people. I love to uh, chat and share stories and, and information. So on social media channels, I have the same handle on Twitter and on Instagram, just to keep it simple. Um, it is at FunkyFabAb. Yes, you heard it right. At FunkyFabAb. Um, F-U-N-K-Y-F-A-B-A-B. FunkyFabAb. And then I, of course, am on Facebook. My business is called From the Nest. And you can find From the Nest on Facebook as well. Or you can look me up. I'm Abby with an I-E. <laughs> and for those of you who are listening, I know you're on the go, oftentimes running or in the car, and you know you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. You can put Abby in the search bar, which is A-B-B-I-E. Her show notes page or the blog post that accompanies this episode will pop right up and you'll find everything that she's shared with us in that page. And Abby, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it, Jody. I'm better for knowing you. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Are you ready to take the lead in your own life but need some support? Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash contact to introduce yourself. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining with me and here's to your success.